If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. We were supposed to be starting a series in the book of Acts, and I was all set to go. I've already got actually the first couple messages already done and ready about it. But uh, as I was preparing yesterday morning, really kind of felt the Lord leading in a different direction, especially with what is going on in our society and our culture right now. Um, Seems like there's a lot of unrest uh, going on in our country. Hang on, let me switch mics. I think they said it's all messed up. We'll try this one. It seems like when I get up to preach, it just cuts out. So we'll try this again. Uh, with all the unrest in, um, you know, in our society going on, kind of felt the Lord leading in a different direction. Uh, so I want to go back to the book of Ephesians. Uh, it's a passage we've looked at before. And I actually, this passage that we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22, I actually spent three weeks on. So, you know, I've got three weeks of material to cram into, you know, 30 minutes or so. So hang on. Uh, but I'm not going to give everything that I gave in those messages. So if you want to go back and listen to those messages, they're on our website. I encourage you to because there's so much great truth in there because Paul is hitting on division. Uh, there was unrest between the Jews and the Gentiles, uh, religious and cultural and all kinds of things, kind of very similar to what we're dealing with in our society. And as I was thinking about it yesterday, you know, our world, we have a world of rivalries. Is it cutting out again? Oh, yeah, bad. Let's, let's try another mic. We'll eventually get it. All right. Are we on? Are we on? Is this good? Okay. I'll just have this one as a backup just in case it goes Very good. All right. I'll just speak up. So if you're watching online, you should be here. What's your problem? Anyway, um, there's a lot of rivalries in our society. So let's kind of start the message off this morning. Uh, In the sports world, let's name some, um, I guess, big rivalries that you can think of just in the sports world. Anyone have a big rivalry that you can think of in the sports world? Anybody? Cowboys and the Eagles. Okay, what else? OSU and who? Just OSU? OSU and Texas. Okay. Texas and everyone else? Yeah. <laughs> what else? What? Decatur and Bridgeport. What else? What are some of the sports rivalries that are prevalent today? Anybody? Anybody watch sports? Nope. Ah, oh, there we go. I was waiting on that. Michigan. And Ohio State, and normally Ohio State takes the trophy year after year after year after year after year. Michigan should just secede or something. Um, anyway, if you're watching from Michigan, I'm sorry. Uh, what else? Sports. Anybody? Man, you guys are great. Awesome. Very good. Uh, okay, let's just, any other rivalries in general? Anybody have anything else? What? Paradise and Boyd. Okay. Yeah, Colin. Siblings. There it is. Sibling rivalry. Just waiting on something like that. Brothers and sisters. Brothers versus brothers. Moms and dads. Husbands versus wives. What else? Anybody else? And you guys are very talkative bunch today. What? Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Conservatives, liberals. What else? Anybody? Communications. Communication robberies. Heard someone spout off something. What? Scouts and tankers. I don't know what that was in reference to, but there it is. All right. What else? (laughs) 
Christians and Satan. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of obviously rivalries out there. You know, we think about car companies, right? Uh, you know, Ford versus GM or Honda or Toyota or whatever car you drive. Um, there's, you know, differences or Coke versus Pepsi. Let's just stop right there. Who's a Coke fan, Coke product fan? Anybody? Coke product. All right. What about Pepsi product? All right. What about you're you're neither. You're just, you know, you're neutral. You're Switzerland. Dr. Pepper. Okay. It's its own entity. Um Apple versus Android. That's a rivalry. Apple. Apple. Android. All right. All those Apple people will try to get you saved today. Lord willing. That's the goal. <laughs> hey, I have an Apple product. It's okay. Um, anyway, rivalries are everywhere, but not all rivalries are bad. Not all rivalries are dangerous. You know, in the sports world, it, it's fun to kind of have that rivalry kind of going back and forth, going back and forth. But as we've seen, some take it too far, don't they? Some rivalries become violent and lead to riots and looting and killing each other over cultural and racial hostilities. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But in Paul's day, there was a great rivalry as well, as I've already, men- I've already mentioned. This rivalry was deep. It was complex. It was hostile between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this rivalry was cultural, ra- r- uh, racial, and religious. What happened in Paul's day is what's happening in our day as well. Barriers were put up, in a sense. And I'm going to read something from uh, John MacArthur commentary to kind of help understand this, and then we'll read the passage this morning. He says, It is a part of a sinful human nature to build barriers that shut out other people. In New Testament times, one of the greatest barriers was between slaves and freemen, especially between slaves and their owners. Those who were free looked down on slaves as being inferior, slightly above animals. Many slaves looked on their masters with contempt and resentment. Consequently, one of the greatest problems in the early church was in getting Christian slave owners and Christian slaves to treat each other as spiritual equals. And that's what Paul was really trying to address in many of his letters. For the most part, women also were looked down on as inferior beings. Husbands treated their wives little better than they did their slaves. When a wife became a Christian, her entire life outlook and value system changed. An unbelieving husband would likely divorce her simply because she had made such a radical decision without his consent. The Greeks in this time were very proud people, very proud of their culture, and supposed that racial superiority that they considered everyone else to be below them that they considered to be barbarians, a belief to which Paul alludes to in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, and also Colossians 3, 11. The Greek language was considered to be the language of the gods. The Roman statesman Cicero wrote, as the Greeks say, all men are divided into two classes, Greeks and barbarians, or basically Greeks and everyone else. And today there is a war raging in our society There is a war in our culture and in Christianity. It's a war of relationships. And it's because of the curse of sin. Our interpersonal relationships have been damaged. We speak harshly to one another. We judge one another. We gossip about each other. We argue with one another. We kill our wounded. It's the worst war in history because no one has been left unaffected. 
And the worst part about it is Christians, we are supposed to love one another, are we not? But how do we get beyond this? You know, for me as a pastor, it starts right here. It starts with the church. It starts with Christians acting the way Christians are supposed to act. And really, this does kind of help set up the the next series that we're going to be getting to in the book of Acts because it's all about the the coming alive of the church and and the movement that, that was started there in the first century. But as a child of God, we must understand that peace it doesn't come when two sides finally say, you know what, let's just let's just end our differences and let's have peace. That's not how peace works. Peace only comes through the eternal God and the sealed blood of Jesus Christ. That seal is unbreakable. And that's what Paul is trying to get across in this passage. Let me go ahead and read it, and then I'll continue on. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the which ye are called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens, strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye were sometimes afar off and made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he, Jesus, is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition. Again, this this division between Gentiles and Jews, between different religious sects and cultural sects out there today, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to the which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. Let me go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. And Lord, God, I pray that you be with this message this morning and uh, today and even next week as we do just this short mini-series on true identity, who we are and what really matters. And Lord, with all of the unrest in our society, and our culture, and Lord, some of the things that are happening, they're, they're wrong in a lot of different aspects. It is wrong to, to take someone's life based on prejudices and, and based on not liking the, the color of their skin. That is, that is wrong. That is unbiblical. That is sin. But so too is the rioting that's going on. So too is Christians calling out people maliciously and not acting as Christians. So God, I pray that you'd help us today. For those that are here and those that are watching, I pray that you'd help us understand about our true identity again. It's something we've spent a lot of time over the past year talking about in our church on Wednesday nights. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you bless us. I pray that you take us forward as a church, and I pray that you'd heal our country. We know that the healing is not going to come by a political figure. The healing is only going to come from you, Jesus Christ. And the, the healing is going to come as we, the church, the Christians, go out and fulfill our commission and carry out the gospel to the world. That's what's going to change the world. So, Lord, I pray that you bless us today in our short time together. Christ's name I pray. Amen. These verses in Ephesians are really about our vertical position with God and our horizontal position with other people. Paul is dealing with if you want to give us a message to title, it's this, our corporate identity. 
And when you think about this, when you come to Christ, there should be no division, should there? There should be no separation. And let me ask a couple questions. Why is there still racial separation in the church? You don't have to answer that. Here's one of the reasons I believe, because Christians don't know who they are. They have Christ. There is no. We are all the same in him. I've said this before, but listen, if you demonize, to demonize means to try to make someone or a group of people seem completely evil. So if you idolize your race, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second, but if you idolize your race, then you demonize other races. If you idolize your culture, you demonize other cultures. If you idolize your nation, you demonize other nations. If you idolize your gender, you demonize other genders. If you idolize your political party or whatever it is, your tribe, all of that, you're demonizing other things. You see, so often we're finding our identity in those things. And then what happens is we declare war when someone is different than us. And really that's identity idolatry. And that assuredly was was some of the things that was going on in Paul's letter. Some of the things that he was dealing with as he talked to the church at Ephesus. Things that we call today racism or classism or sexism and things like that. But the church should look different, shouldn't they? There should be an ethnic diversity within the church. There should be a social diversity, a financial diversity. Color shouldn't matter. Financial status should not matter. The church should reflect the culture around us. Now think about this. How can we make a global impact? That's our theme for this year, impact. How can we truly make a global impact in our world when we aren't even making an impact within our churches? Because there's so much division. And let me go deeper this morning. You know, we talked about race just a little bit, and that's the issue that's going on in our society. But let's go back to the Bible, because everything has to go back to the Bible. See, the Bible must be our basis for what we believe and how we act and how we live. How many races did God create? One. The human race. How many genders did God create? Two, male and female. Genesis chapter one, verse 27. So if God created one race, then really technically, is there such a thing as racism? Biblically, no. Now there's prejudice and bigotry and all kinds of things and cultural wars, but stay with me here. God said there's one race of people the human race, everyone, no matter what color of skin you have, no matter what ethnicity you have, everyone came from who? Adam. Everyone came from Adam and Eve, didn't they? That's Bible. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe the very foundation of God's word. But what has man done? If God says there's one race, if God says there's two genders, what has man done? Man has broken that down. You see, God set the standard and man has rebelled against the standard, haven't they? God said, this is what it is. There's one race of people, the human race. Everyone is descendant of Adam. For as 
in Adam all have sinned, and it talks about that in the book of Romans. One race of people, there's two genders, but man has rebelled against God. And this is confusing confusing when you listen to the world and the verbiage that they use. You know, the world around us talks about racial diversity and racial discrimination. But the problem is they're using the wrong words. There is multiple cultures and multiple ethnic groups, but when you break down races, you're breaking down what God did not break down. You are inserting power struggles where there should be unity. And what Paul is hitting on here this morning, and it's very applicable, I promise you. What Paul is hitting on here is he's revealing three basic themes in this passage, and we're going to quickly unlock them this morning. And I do encourage you to go back and listen to some of those messages that I preached because they're so much more in depth on this passage. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 20, 22. It's all, about, it's all in our identity series that we did uh, last year. But the first thing, the first theme that Paul is unlocking is this, the theme of alienation who we used to be. Let me quickly read verse 11 and 12. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who were called on circumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being alien strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. Alienation is this. It's the experience of being isolated. It's about separation. And what Paul is trying to get the Gentiles to understand it's about who you were, not who you are if you're a Christian. Everything comes back to if you're saved, if you're a child of God, not who you were, who you are, who you are in Christ. And in order to see how much God has done for us, it is so wise to remember what we were like before we were saved. That's what Paul says in the very first verse of 11. It says, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past. The word remember is an active imperative in the Greek. In other words, it's a command. We are commanded to remember our past, not to become guilty about it, but to remember how awful our former life was in comparison to what God has done for us now. Because if God has saved you, then before Christ, you were wicked no matter what you were doing. All of us were wicked. We were living in a sin nature. Sin was wrapped up around us, and we couldn't get past that. But when Christ came and saved us, what did he do? He set us free from the bonds of sin. But the problem today is that we are focused on the wrong things. Look, I'm not making light of what's happened. Brutality is wrong, but so is rioting and other crimes that have erupted since all this. And in verse number 12 Paul uses that word, it says, without. They were outside in several aspects. Here are some things that they were outside of. They were without Christ, first of all. That ye at the time past were without Christ. Another thing, they were without citizenship, being aliens, strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. They were without covenants, strangers from the covenants of promise. They were without hope. Having no hope is a scary thing, isn't it? The Gentiles lived a constant expectancy of death. Could you imagine living every day expecting to die because of what's going on around you? That's a miserable way to live, but that's exactly how many of us were without Christ. You know, depression today is at an all-time high. 
because people have no hope for their future. If they lose their jobs, their health is failing, their possessions are threatened, they see everything that they have worked for going down the drain. People get depressed, and since they have no hope for the future, sometimes they commit suicide and do other things. But it's because their hope is in the wrong things. Our hope should not be in this world. Our hope should not be in what this world offers us, should it? When our hope is in this world and what this world offers us, it will lead to depression. It can lead to suicide. It can lead to rioting. But if our hope is in Jesus Christ, all of those things take care of themselves. Another thing they were without is they were without God in the world. The term here in the Greek is atheos. It's where we get our word atheist from. Now, the fact that they were atheists doesn't mean they didn't believe in God, just the opposite, in fact. Rather than being atheists the way that we think of today, the Ephesians were pantheists, which means they believed in many gods. You know, I found it interesting in my studies that religious history isn't man starting with many gods and gradually discovering the one true God. Mankind started with the knowledge of one God and has done what? Branched off, separated, become rebellious. Instead of worshiping and serving the one true God, we have created our own gods. And we have created all these idols. I like how Warren Wearsby states it. He said, it's not a story of evolution. It's a story of devolution, which is the transfer of power to a lower level. So the key truth that Paul is addressing here first is that this idea of alienation, the separation of remember who you were, remember where Jesus brought you from. The second theme is this. It's the theme of reconciliation. And this is all about what Christ has done for me. But now in Christ Jesus, verse 13, you were sometimes afar off, but being drawn nigh by the blood of Christ for he is our peace. And it's broken down that middle wall of partition between us. Verse number 16, that he might reconcile. The word reconcile means this, to bring together. You see, there is enmity. There is division. So what did God came to do? God came to reconcile. He came to bring peace. And these verses are very clear. Paul is saying that peace isn't found in a political party. Peace isn't found in in what you think or a treaty. Peace is only found in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is our peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble, church. It's the presence of Christ. There's going to be trouble in this world. There's been trouble in this world since the fall of sin and since the fall of man. There's going to be trouble. Peace isn't going to come because, well, all the trouble is gone. COVID-19 is gone. Rioting is done. Gone. It's, it's done with. It. We're going to have peace. No, no, no. It's not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Christ. So when you have the presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit within you and living inside of you and dwelling in you and filling you up, you can have peace no matter what's going on around you. In the middle verses of, of chapter 2 here, verses 13 through 18, are, 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 are all describing the cross. Now listen, this is key. Historically, Jesus Christ died on a cross. It was a public and visible display. If we put his death in, in terms of our world today, it would be like someone dying or someone killing someone and posting it on social media for the world to see. That's happened. That's happened even this week. Everyone sees what just took place. It was a visible public display. 
His death was a visible and public display. Hundreds of people were there and watching him die on that cross. Now, some think of the cross as overemphasized. Oh, we overemphasize the cross. It's too much about the cross. Some people think the cross is too violent. You know, I don't want my, I don't want my kids, I don't want my family to hear about that because it's just too violent. We don't need to be talking about that. You know, some people today think the cross is irrelevant. But listen, church, the cross is the key to us coming together. I was thinking about this yesterday, which kind of spurred the message for this morning. Here's our problem today. Listen to me. Here's our problem today. We try to stop sin with sin. Think about that. There's sin in the world, and in order to stop it, we stop it with more sin. Is more sin going to stop sin? No. If you don't understand that, it, the answer is no. More sin will not stop sin. Trying to stop sin with more sin is only going to create more sin, more problems, more division. And that is exactly what is happening in our society today, isn't it? There's more problems, more division, all because let's stop this issue with more sin. Let's stop sin with sin. You don't stop sin with sin. You stop sin by going back to the cross. Because the cross, listen, is our reconciliation. The cross is what brings people together. We don't need another cause in which we need to fight. We don't need another political juggernaut. <laughs> we need to understand what was done on the cross because the cross is our rallying cry. Verse number 16, it says that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross because of what Jesus did, the finished work on the cross, dying and not just staying dead on the cross, but rising victoriously. Look, church, that's how we can have peace in this world. In the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our conflict, in the midst of our turmoil. So the first theme is this theme of alienation, this theme of separation, but it's understanding who we were before Jesus. The second theme is reconciliation, understanding what Christ has done for me. And then finally, I close with this. The third theme in verses 19 through 22, it's the theme of identification. Who we have now become. Let me read verse 18. For through him we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints in the household of God and are built up upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It's all about him. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together in habitation of God through the Spirit. You see, verse 18 tells us we have access to God because we are synced to Christ. If you are saved, you are joined to Christ. Paul mentioned that in chapter 1. And he quickly says in verse 19 that we are citizens in God's kingdom. We are members of God's family. We are stones in God's temple. No matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your culture, no matter what color you are, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, you are members of God's family. And if you're a member of God's family, if you're a member of any family, there shouldn't be division. There should be unity. And Jesus Christ came to break down those walls. The walls are not going to get broken down by more rioting, by more Christians going off on people, and let's just obliterate them. That's not what's going to save people. 
What's going to save people is the gospel of Jesus Christ and them understanding who Jesus Christ is and what the cross is all about and what he came to do. You see, we can talk about all the racial problems and that we have and that we have created today in our society. And this passage is really helping us understand our commission. It's helping us understand our need for one another. Look, we need each other's time and talents and treasures and love and resources and encouragement and rebuke. You know, we have little hashtag phrases today like, you know, all together. Well, the truth is that we must live the Christian life together as multi-ethnic temple that is centered in Christ and the gospel advancement of his kingdom. We have to realize as a Christian that we are all together in Christ. So what do we learn from this today? Two quick applications I'm done. First thing is this. We must elevate our concept of our local church. We must elevate our concept of our local church. You see, this passage today confronts the idea of Western individualism. The church has always been an essential entity, hasn't it? We need the church now more than ever. For those that are here, those that are watching at home, please listen. To be separated from a church is to say that the church is unnecessary and unimportant. It'd be like trying to separate one of these stones from the building and say this is a building. If I separate a stone from the building, is it still part of the building? Anybody? No, thank you. If you separate a family member from your family, a son or daughter from their parents, if they just, I'm, I'm done with you, they're, they're not part of that family group. And that's, that's the, the, the essence of what Paul is saying here, especially with the idea of the cornerstone, that Jesus is that chief cornerstone that brings us together. You see, many people today treat church as something that's unnecessary and unimportant. They treat it as something of more of a hindrance to doing great things. But the church is about community. It's about understanding our true identity. Finding a local church is important because it, a lo- you know, good local church teaches the importance of focusing on what's vital to our well-being. That's more important. Listen to me. A good local church that teaches the truths of God's word and the doctrines of God's word is more important than finding the right school for your kids. It's more important than finding the right job and career. It's more important than finding the right house. You see, people move all the time and they move for a job. Well, I'll find a church maybe. You know, what people should do is see if there's a good local church there first before they even move because maybe that's not what God wanted them to do. We've got it all backwards, don't we? Because to us, the church is just something we come to here and there. I don't really need it. I can serve God at home. I can worship God at home. But to get past some of these problems in our society, we must elevate our concept of the local church. And then, and then this, I, I, I came across this in, in one of my commentaries yesterday, and I, I like it. It's good. Listen to me. What we need to do is we need to be part of a red church. It's not about a black church, a white church, Spanish church, Asian church, whatever, red church. And what they meant by this is that it's all about the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because the shed blood of Jesus Christ brings us all together. No matter what color our skin, no matter what ethnicity we have, 
The only blood that needs to be shed to solve our issues today has already been shed. Did you realize that? No more bloodshed needs to happen to bring us together. Well, let's kill these people and then it's going to solve the problem. No, no, no. No more bloodshed. The only bloodshed has already been shed and it was shed by Jesus Christ on the cross. You see, we must value one another despite differences of ethnicity or cultural. And here's the key truth to this whole message and lesson today. Corporate identity is found in Jesus Christ. The cross is the only key to solving the issues around us. Sin will not fix sin. Pointing people to to the cross is the only answer. And that's why it's so important, church. Like we've already talked about, and we're going to continue talking about in the weeks to come. We must understand our commission. We must understand our purpose. It's very easy for myself to get mad people when they are just acting stupid, (laughs) when they are acting ignorant, when they are doing foolish things. But all it shows me is they need Jesus. They need to be pointed to the cross, not given another sign to carry, not giving another rock to throw. We need to do a better job doing our job. Look, I, I back the police if, if they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. There are some that are corrupt, but there are people corrupt in every area of life. You can't get beyond that. But we have to understand that we have a mission. We have a mission to go forward into the world, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. That's what's going to change our society. And yeah, it's getting worse and worse, and it's it's tough. You think about raising kids in this society, in this generation, it's tough. Our kids are going to be indoctrinated with that. That's why parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we have to do a better job of teaching them and training them, of giving them the truth of Jesus Christ. Our corporate identity is only found in Jesus. The cross is the only key to solving the issues around us. Sin will not fix sin. Only pointing people to the cross is our answer.